in the near future, the end of February, 1st of March, that you'll be asked to consider for yourself additional men to serve as additional shepherds of this group. And I don't apologize. I think it's very, very necessary to spend the time of diving into this material this way. I fear far too many times when we think about this, we just jump into 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. That's it. We're done. In and out. I call it in and out eldership. And so we're done. But we don't consider the, the ramifications of what the work is, the men, and the relationship that we have one with another. And so that's why we're taking this time to do that. In John chapter 20 and verse 25, it says, The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That expression, unless I see the print of the nails, the word print is our word that we're going to look at, example. It is the word that says, looks at an image. So here you have the nail mark in the hand. And the nail mark in the hand corresponds to the nail. You have the image of the nail imprinted, impressed, impressed on the palm of the hand. And so he said, unless I see the example, unless I see the example of how you are, where you were crucified, the mark in your hand, the print, I'll not believe. Etymology, just a moment. The word grew out of a time in which you had the printing press, in which you would take the blocks of letters, bold, large letters of lead, and you would set them in a line, and they would be locked in, and then you would take a roller of ink and you would roll over the blocks and then you would take a piece of paper and put it over there and you would have a press that would come down and the press that would come down when you lift it up you hoped you hoped when you lift it up that what you lifted up and now read fits what you just put on the press so you have the image of what you put on the press. When I first started preaching and trying to produce a bulletin, there was a thing called an A.B. Dick machine. It was a mimeograph. And what you had was you had, this is before a word, uh, any word processors, and IBM Selectric 3 was just coming in to, to play here. So this was a little hard punching thing. And for someone that doesn't hunt and peck well, it was worse hunting and pecking on something you can't hunt and peck on. But you have a stencil. And it would have ink on one side and the stencil on the other side. And so you'd type, you'd type it up, and then you would hook it onto your A.B. Dick. If you were fortunate enough to have an electric one, you hit the button. If you don't, you had a manual one, and you'd have to turn it and turn that drum, and the paper would flow through. you flow through, and the paper flow through. And what you had is you would have what would come out would be what was on that stencil. That is the type that's there. Today, we have it easy, and I'm so thankful for it. We have word processors, and we take our paper, and we run it through a word processor. And so we send it from our word processor to the printer, or we take we run it through the printer, and what comes out is the very image of what we put in there. That's our word example. 
That's what he's talking about. We have the image of something. Unless I put, see, the print of the nail in your hand. Unless I see the image of the press, I'll not believe, is what he said. Turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse 44. Acts chapter 7 verse 44, you see another way this term is used. He said, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the, in the wilderness, as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. So here there was a pattern that God gave. There was a blueprint. And when it was finished, it was to look like the blueprint. So if you were to see the pages of the blueprint of this building that Joe drew up years ago, and then see the building you'd see the building is an image of the blueprint. You hope that when you have an architect that builds the blueprint, that draws the blueprint, when you're done, the builder has built something that represents the blueprint. And that's what he's saying here. So you have pattern is another word. Look at verse 43, Acts 7, verse 43. You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your God, Remphan. Images, images, you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. That word images. So here you would have these idol worshipers, and they would have their idol image. And they would take their idol image, and they would set it on their hearth, on their fireplace. And that idol image was to be a copy, a reflection of the idol image that was in their mind. And so you have the images that reflected their gods that were there. And so you have the idea of image that is put before us. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 14. Romans chapter 5 and verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who have not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So you have the real and you have the ideal. You have the press and you have the image. And so he says Adam was a type, a pattern of image of him that was to come. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you have obeyed the doctrine, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. That form, that type, that image, that mold, that doctrine that we were delivered. So here you obeyed that form of doctrine, that type of doctrine. There's, here, here's your life now, and your life is a reflection of what that teaching was, and you've obeyed that form, that mold, that form of doctrine. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6 and verse 11. Now, these things became our examples, there's our word, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also. Verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they're written for admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. You see in verse 6, you have the word examples, but it's used in the negative. What he's saying is here, look at the children of Israel. You see how they behaved? Notice what he says. 
they, they what? These were people who sat down and they committed sexual immorality. Verse 8. Some of them uh, tempted Christ. Uh, some of them complained. Some of them were destroyers. He said, here you have their idolatrous ways. He said, don't, don't let them press you into the mold. Don't be like them. Don't follow their example. There you have it in a negative way. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Brethren, follow me. Join in following my example. Note those who so walk. Pause. That word note means to bring into close inspection. The word note is the same as the word mark in Romans chapter 16 when it talks about those who, who are false teachers. He said note them. It's not brand them. It's not call out their name. It's the idea of you keep them close and watch them and bring them into close inspection. So he says here, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul will say, be followers of me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, he talks about how he used himself and Cephas as examples of the people he's talking about in the first four chapters. Be ye followers of me. Imitate me, Paul will say. Wait a minute. We say, wait, we're not supposed to follow men. We get, we get, get the hair stands up on the back of our neck. When we, you follow a man. No, we don't follow a man. That's what we say. Wait a minute. Paul said, follow me. Paul said, follow me. And the point is, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me, I'll lead you to Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, don't follow them. They'll lead you away. There are some men we are to follow. There are some examples we are to use as a pattern. But notice verse 18, the opposite. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. Don't follow them. You see the contrast? Don't follow those who are enemies of the cross, but follow those who are like me, and you have us as a pattern. You, you walk in our footsteps. You, you, you let us push you, press you into the mold. You follow our image is the point there. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Read beginning in verse 6, following down through verse 12. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know what you ought to, how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you. Nor do we eat anyone's bread, but free of charge, worked and labored and toiled night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we don't have authority, but to make ourselves examples of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone should not eat, neither let him work. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now these are such... We command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Notice what Paul says in verse 9. We do not come to you with authority. We're not asking you to follow us because we have the authority of an apostle to tell you to do so. Paul's not, Paul's not putting his authority out here. Don't follow us because we're apostles. Follow us because we are an example. He uses two things to appeal to them. The commandments, which he calls traditions we have delivered to you. And then he says, our example, we came before you, and the thing I want you to note is how we lived among you. 
Turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 real quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 4. <clears throat> but we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel of men. With the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither any time did we use flattering words. As you know, in our covetous cloak, God is witness. Nor do we speak glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as, nursing, as a nursing mother cherishes her own child, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach the gospel. You are witness, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you, believe, among you who believe, as you know, we exhorted and comforted you and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you should walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. What example did Paul set? Paul uses the imagery of a mother nursing her child. He uses the imagery of, of a father drawing his child in close and being affectionate with a child. The negative, he said, we didn't, we didn't come to you with com compelling you anything. We didn't force you to do anything. We're not coming to you to, to take the money in your pockets. We, weren't, we didn't take bread from you. We didn't ask money. We were not covetous about you. We simply poured our life out. We gave our life. We poured everything we had into you. And so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 9, he says, not because we have authority, but to make ourselves examples of how you should follow us. We poured our lives out for you, and now you pour your life out for others. He said, follow our example. That's what he's telling them here. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. In his instruction to the young evangelist, Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example. An example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He's saying, here you are, young evangelist, let no man hold you in contempt. On the other hand, you be an example to people. Don't be a negative example. You be a positive example to people in the word. You be a positive example to people in conduct with love. And you be a positive example in the spirit and faith and purity. You be the right kind of example that people will follow you. Don't give them a reason to hold you in contempt. That's what he's telling you. If somebody holds you in contempt, let it not be because you were not the right example. Timothy, you be an example of these people. You put to life what you put in word. Be that kind of example. And then turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is where we've been building toward with all of this. 1 Peter chapter 5 and the first four verses. The elders I exhort, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. There's our words put together again. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter, you are an elder, and the people among whom you're an elder, you be an example. You be an example to them. You be someone that they can set their life, that you can mold. They can follow your form. They can follow your type. They can follow your image. They can follow your example. Hold that thought in mind and turn back to Philippians chapter 3 again. Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul says, Not that I've already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul telling us there? Is Paul telling us he's got everything all figured out? Is Paul telling us he has reached the state of maturation and growth that he doesn't need to, re- doesn't need to grow anymore? Does Paul tell us he's got all of his flaws refined there? I've not attained, I've not apprehended. That sounds like there's something that Paul's yet reaching for, doesn't it? That he's not yet reached the maturity that he wants to reach yet. But he says, I'm reaching for it, I'm stretching for it, I'm pressing on for it. Now we'd recognize that about Paul, wouldn't we? We would acknowledge that about Paul. We go back to 1 Peter chapter 5 now. So in the last part of verse 3, he said, but being examples to the flock, will we recognize that about men who are going to be overseers or shepherds? When we think about men who are going to be overseers or shepherds, do we look at them as examples and they have to be the perfect mold? They have to have everything in their life all put together? All flaws have been eliminated? There's nothing they're reaching for anymore? Nothing they're stretching for anymore? Nothing they're pressing for anymore? Is that what we're looking at? Look at these men as though they have no faults at all, and we're going to put these men as examples with no faults before us. Is that what we're looking at? If Paul said, I've got some flaws I'm working out, it would not be unusual to say, here are men who are going to be examples. They might still have some flaws, but you follow them and you do what they do. And what he's saying here is, you be the right kind of specimen. As an overseer, as an elder, as a shepherd, you be the kind of specimen people will follow. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you have no warts, no fleas, and no ticks. You may still have flaws, but, but here's a man who has demonstrated some element of spiritual maturity and some element of spiritual development and some element of trust because he's demonstrated a, 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 a judgment and experience and representation of people. He's demonstrated that, that he can shepherd the people of God. He can lead people. He can... Walk with people to the valley of the shadow of death. He can protect people. He can lead them beside the still waters and make them lie down in green pastures. He's not going to devour them. He's going to be a man who's going to give himself to the feeding of the flock. And he's going to be a benevolent protector of people. Now, it may not be perfect. But has he set the right example? Is he the right kind of specimen? Is that the kind of man that you can look to your children and say, You see him, I want you to be like him. You see him, I want you to do, I want you to follow his footsteps. I want you to shadow him for a while because he is someone that's worthy of example. Not to be, if you have elders, overseers, or shepherds, they should be the kind of man or men that you can point your children to and say, I want to show you a picture of spiritual maturity, spiritual experience, and spiritual wisdom, and someone who has an investment in the souls of people. You see him, follow him. And he'll lead you. He'll lead you right to God. 
You follow him, you walk in his steps. You follow him. You imitate him. Let him be the specimen. Let him be the image for you. And so we think about the idea of examples. This is what we're thinking about then. We think about someone who's a practical pattern. We think about someone that's a model. Someone that's a model of a godly life and someone who has righteous conduct. You think about the word blameless. The word blameless is, is all of those. That's the idea of blameless right there. They live a godly life and they're righteous in their conduct. When you look out among yourselves, can you find a man or men that, that fits this example? That's here. Now, we haven't got this far, but we're going to get that far. And so I'm just going to pause a moment and editorialize just a moment. This is from the book of Ricky. But it's also from the book of experience. Not to sound arrogant. Practical experience. So reach the point in which the congregation is going to put forth names. And the first thing we do when we put forth a name is we're going to look and see all the faults and flaws we can find or make up about the guy. I mean, he can't be perfect, right? He's going to have some pleasing ticks, some faults, some, some, some warts somewhere. And what we do is we begin to look at all the things that are bad about the guy. And you know, it doesn't fit this, he doesn't fit this, doesn't fit this. And so we go down our checklist. And he doesn't, he doesn't fit something on our checklist. And so what we've done when we're finished with that is we destroyed somebody. We destroyed somebody we said was going to be a specimen. We destroyed somebody that's going to be an example for us. We destroyed somebody that we know has been watching for it. We know, we know we've seen him. We've experienced him. We, we've experienced how he's led us. But somehow when you put this moniker of, okay, we want this man to be an elder. Now then we're going to look and we're going to put him under close examination microscope. And we're going to find out all the flaws. If his hair's not in place at all. If his tie's crooked. We're, we're going to nail him. I'm not making that up, folks. I'm not exaggerating there. It's sad when, when a church goes through a process like this and the men come out and when they're done, they feel like they've been through the meat grinder having done that. And these are supposed to be the specimens. They're supposed to be the examples. And we take our examples and we put them through a meat grinder. And when they come out, they look like ground up meat. And they have no spirit left in them. No will left in them because it's all been destroyed. They, they've been devoured by people that said, we want you to shepherd us. And instead of the wolves devouring the sheep, devoured the shepherd. Or the man that would be. It ought to be instead of that. What we say is, you know, this is a man or men I want to follow. I've been following him. I've been watching him. He has been my example. In good times and bad, he has been my example. I want to follow him. And I'm going to tell you why he ought to be our example, not just my example. I'm going to extol to you all the positive things about this man that show us, is he perfect? Does he have every all the I's dotted and T's crossed? No. If we're looking for that, that didn't even fit Peter. And doesn't fit the six you have. Most of all me. But you hope what you've done is you've demonstrated someone to somebody you can be an example for people to follow. So instead of trying to devour and destroy someone. How about instead? Here's the proven man. We say we want to follow you. Now, if along the way I say, 
Might I talk to you about something here? I, just this. But when you talk, do it respectfully. And when you're done, make the individual and or his family feel like, okay, you are a compliment to me, not, a, not my adversary. This is not an adversary relationship. This is a mutual relationship. We'll get to that later. So when we have these men as examples, what they're meant is we say you are our specimen. You are our pattern. You are the model for us. You're the one whose godly life I want to follow. You're the one whose righteous conduct I want to be pressed into the mold of. Now I ask you something. Can you find that kind of man or man that's a model of blamelessness? Can you find that kind of man or man that is an example of someone devoted to his wife? Can you find that kind of man or man that is an example for his children to follow? Can you find that kind of man or man that's sober, of good reputation in his hospital, not given to wine, not given soon to angry, not greedy for money? Can you find that kind of man as an example? Can you find the kind of man that's gentle? Can you find, kind, find the kind of man that holds fast the word of God and convicts the gangster because he holds fast the word of God? Can you find the kind of man that's not a novice? Can you find the kind of man that's able to teach and not lifted up with pride or self-willed? You see, when you get the practical side of this, so you talk about able to teach. Here's a man that is able to teach, but he's not just able to teach because he can communicate. He's able to teach because of his life. Because of his life. He's able to teach by his example. Now, he ought to be able to, be able to communicate something, but he's able to teach because of his example. Well, I'll follow the teaching of his example. Now, when we just covered all that, you know what we covered? We covered every aspect of life. We covered the spiritual life. We covered the family life. We covered the civil life. Civil life, life to government, and we covered the social life. We covered every aspect of a man's life. When you look at all of this, we're looking at every aspect of a man's life. Spiritual, family, social, and civil. And can you find that kind of man or man that's an example to do that? What are we looking for? What kind of man or men are we looking to follow as our example? Does this church right now have a man or men that you can say when the time comes, I want to follow him because he's my example. He's been shepherding me and he's been watching over me and I have trusted his judgment and he has represented me more than one time. And he's a man whose experience I trust in this. I want to follow him. That's what we're talking about when we talk about these terms. So you can see, simply being an elder is more than, okay, we got the checklist of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. We've got to talk about the kind of man he is. We've got to talk about the kind of work that he does. Then we've got to talk about how the man is described. Now I'll close with this. That's intimidating. That's intimidating. Listen, it's intimidating for the men you already have as shepherds. That's intimidating for us. Think about, think about this. You, you're going to be the example for somebody to follow. Somebody's watching you. That's, that's intimidating. Because where you want to lead them is not to hell. You want to lead them to heaven. You want to lead them to the Lord. 
if they're going to walk in your footsteps, then you mean to make sure the steps you're walking are the steps that are walking to the Lord, not another direction. That's, that's serious business to think about. This is not cavalier. I'm not trying to over-dramatize this. I'm simply trying to get you to think soberly about this. That when you put on the shoes to do that, and you're asked to put on the shoes to do that, you are set forth before the congregation as an example. And so is your family. We'll talk about that later. You see that? You see how important that is? To think about. Well, Christ left us, left us the perfect example. The chief left, shepherd left us the perfect example. He said, I laid down my life for my sheep. I laid down my life that they may have abundant life, that they may have eternal life. And he gave everything he had for those that were being called by the gospel he was preaching. Gave his life for them. Because he said, I want to reach out with my life and my example and my word, and I want to touch you. I want to touch your heart. I want to touch your heart to come to me. I can save you. I can save you, he says. I can save you. I can, you can wash away your sins in my blood by being immersed in water for the, for the vision of your sins. You can follow me by believing I'm the Christ, the Son of God, and change your mind about sin and about God and change your mind to follow God. I can save you. I'm the chief shepherd. I gave my life for you. Will you come and walk through the door? Because I'm the door and the way. If you need him, then won't you come while we stand and while we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.